came to realize that what started out as a natural disaster became a man-made disaster. We cannot control the natural disaster, but what we can do is control our response. Have you ever wondered whether disasters are actually natural? If so, you're in the right place. Hello and welcome. My name is Jason von Medding. And I am Xenia Chmutina. This is Disasters Deconstructed, a podcast where we examine why disasters really happen. Thank you for tuning in. Hi, Jason. I'm good. How are you? Very well. Today is going to be an exciting episode. Like all our episodes, but yes, very exciting. We missed you at the recording, though. I wish you were there. Yeah, well, this uh, recording really uh, was a difficult time of the day for me. I think I was in bed, middle of the night. So <laughs> Yeah, I think. <laughs> so something a bit different for everyone. We um, figured out that we would probably be better off with a different host for today since I was sleeping, right? Yeah, that, that'll be an interesting. Um, I mean, sure, we can try and record you in your sleep once. I'm not sure what no, <laughs> we'll end up with. You'll end uh, up with snoring sounds. Okay, maybe not, not, not today, thank you. <laughs> not today, not ever. Um, yeah, so we have teamed up again with our good friend, JC Gaia, whom you all know already by now, I'm sure. Yeah, so um, I'm looking forward to this episode and um, let's listen into your recording with JC and your guests. Hello and welcome back to Disasters Deconstructed. Um, we've got a slightly different episode today because joining me as a co-host today is our friend JC Gaia. Hey JC. Hello. Uh, hi everyone. Hi Xenia. Uh, privileged to be here again. Uh, welcome promoted. back. I mean, I started as a, as a fan in the audience, then I got to guest in some of the episodes and now, now I'm, I'm a co-host. So see, I mean... That, I know, the career progression, amazing. Yeah, this is empowerment in practice, isn't it? I know, there, there we go. Uh, well, JC doesn't need any introductions, I don't think. Uh, I'm sure you've all um, enjoyed listening to the episodes we had in season one, season two, season three, season four, and now season five with JC. When uh, JC joined Jason and me to talk about capacity, we talked about manifesto, of course, and various other disaster things. Um, and of, co of course, we spoke to JC on our live streams. So... Um, in this session, we continue to unpack disasters as we've been doing for this whole of the season. And, and one of the themes that uh, has been quite prominent in all our season, uh, seasons is the role of marginalization in disaster risk creation. Um, we have already talked, particularly in season two, about different groups uh, that are considered vulnerable, you know, and I use quotation marks here, um, and the kind of the problem that uh, come with such framing, the framing of vulnerability. And in season two, we chatted to our comrade Darren Alexander-William, who was also our co-host, of course, on season four, about LGBTQI+. And today we want to continue this conversation about gender beyond binary. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think this, this episode is part of our um, common and continuing advocacy for um, um, hearing, listening to, and considering 
voices that are otherwise um, unheard, silent, silenced, or uh, less heard in in disasters, but as well in the policy and practice of disaster risk action. And uh, as you said, we want to focus today on um, gender and sexual minorities. So basically people who don't identify uh, within the uh, women, men uh, binary or any of the other kind of predefined Western categories that we associate with, with gender. And we had the privilege with some colleagues who are here with us today from the University of the Philippines and from the Resilience Development Initiative in Bandung in uh, Indonesia. We um, run this project from um, mid last year to earlier this year. And this project that was funded by the Swedish development agency SIDA through uh, the think tank Stockholm Environment Institute, SEI, sorry, um, and it's um, headquartered in Bangkok. So uh, they supported us in organizing some workshops to open up a dialogue between minorities in uh, the Philippines and Indonesia. And we organized some, some conversations slash workshops. We um, shot a few advocacy films. We came up with some uh, poems in some cases. We um, wrote policy briefs and, and, and now recording a, a podcast. There will be other materials as well produced in the coming uh, months. So uh, our guests today are um, some of our uh, amazing uh, leaders that have driven this project, both researchers and um, members of our partner communities on the ground in Indonesia and the Philippines. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to uh, listening to their voices again. I mean, it's been amazing over the past uh, 12 or 15 months uh, learning from uh, their experience and their advocacy on the ground and how they've been successful in getting their voices um, heard, listened to, and, and in, in some cases, as I'm sure we're going to uh, hear in a few minutes, uh, consider in, in disaster action. So today we're privileged to have uh, with us Mix Talomegadon from uh, the NGO Bistak Pride in the Philippines. And she's accompanied by Bunda Mayora from the NGO Fajar Sikia in uh, Indonesia. And as well, we have two of our um, local researchers who facilitated that process of opening up a space for our um diverse voices to be um, heard, listened to, and, and considered. Uh, and these two researchers, amazing researchers from the US of the Philippines, Nin Sapalo, and from the Resilience Development Initiative in Indonesia, um, Adrian Sanko. So I'm, yeah, privileged to introduce you all here to uh, to the podcast, and we're very much looking forward to uh, to listening to you and learning from you. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is amazing. I'm really excited about this conversation. I'm really, really looking forward to uh, learning from you. Um, so I think it would be really, really good to start um, and just, you know, talking about you perhaps a little bit, um, because I think very few of our listeners are familiar with the experiences of gender minorities and disasters. And I wonder if you could share some of these experiences with us. Bunda, can I start with you, please? 
Ya, silakan Bunda Mayora mungkin bisa ini cerita Bun memperkenalkan diri Bun. She came from uh, Fajarsika, uh, mau marry in uh, East Nusa Tenggara and uh, right now uh, Bunda Mayora is um, village representative uh, of uh, her people in the village and uh, Bunda Mayora also uh, initiate an initiative to help uh, people that uh, become the victims of the flood uh, disaster in uh, her villages and right now her initiative also uh, focusing on helping people who uh, got affected by the COVID-19 pandemic uh, due to the economic loss. Great, and thank you, Adrian. Thank you so much for translating um, for us as well. Uh, we really appreciate appreciate your help with this. Um, thank you so much, Bunda. Thank you, Rexan. Can I move to you? So, could you share your perhaps experiences with us? Yes, thank you, Krishna. Um, my name is Roxan. I'm from Cebu, Philippines. Uh, I founded the organization Vista Pride Incorporated um, 15 years ago. Um, we started our gender inclusion related projects right in the aftermath of Typhoon Haiyan um, in the Philippines, which uh, Cebu is part of the of those areas affected by the Typhoon Haiyan. So um, among the, activi the, the activities we conducted were um, related to data gathering first. Uh, we, con we conducted the uh, um, um, uh, a, a national conference on uh, on survivors LGBT affected by Typhoon Haiyan. Then after that, we uh, after that activity, we we created another one uh, about organizing and networking of uh, LGBT organizations uh, who who are part were part of that um, um, uh, affected by the by the typhoon. Then we also uh, initiated an activity on theater forums, uh, which was uh, in partnership with UNICEF Philippines as well as Tanghala Filipino, the resident theater company. Um, and finally, we we are we were part of a consortium uh, of, of several uh, community-based organizations and Cebu. Um, we implemented a two-year project, a uh, child-centered disaster risk reduction project in Bantayan Island, Cebuan Island, which was heavily affected by Typhoon Island. So we learned a lot from all of these activities, which was um, uh, uh, in, in partnership and in coordination with uh, well-meaning organizations as well, as well as uh, international funding agencies based in the Philippines and based abroad. Uh, during the, um, the last year, we, we, during the lockdown in Cebu, we also initiated um, uh, uh, various humanitarian uh, projects like um, we provided a small amount of financial aid to, to LGBTs who are working in, um, in who are working in the hair and beauty care industry. So we provided uh, at least 4,000 pesos to 40 people because we cannot afford uh, to provide to a lot of people because uh, our funding were very limited. We also conducted, um, we call it in, in our local language, uh, drama sa trompa. So it means a uh, voice drama. 
since we cannot perform physically in the communities, we just use our voice. And then there is a vehicle roaming around the communities affected by COVID. And then there are dramas, there are performances using our voices. So the people listen. The, the, the project was in partnership with the local government of Cebu City, uh, as well as Bidley Seal Foundation, uh, uh, an NGO devoted for children. And of course, uh, other other government agencies like the Interagency Task Force on um, Infectious Diseases. So, right now, actually, we are uh, we are working um, and in a partnership with several um, LGBT organizations in the Visayas and Mindanao because they also want to to establish their own uh, humanitarian response and they want. Unfortunately, and we are we were very happy because they also want to learn from us. Um, we will be having we, we conducted our last uh, our first meeting two weeks ago, and then we will have another meeting. Um, I think next week to finalize our mission mission because, like I said, uh, it is best for local LGBT organizations outside the capital to really coordinate because uh, they are really very very affected by different forms of. Uh, Sakona or disasters in our country. I, I was wondering about you uh, or, the, or the experiences and, and concerns and uh, initiatives of you uh, or the members of your organizations on the ground, uh, both in Indonesia and um, the Philippines. How do they go through what we call disasters and, and, and yeah, how, how, how do they feel about this? Uh, jadi mungkin Bunda ini apa bisa diceritakan at the beginning Bunda Mayra told that in Indonesia actually LGBTQ plus is considered as a foreign product so it's uh, many people think that uh, LGBTQ uh, plus is not uh, like a nature uh, part of the culture of Indonesia whereas actually LGBTQ plus has actually existed since ancient times in Indonesia Even though uh, Indonesia is a secular and plural country, and there is uh, and there are Pancasila and Bineka Tunggal Ika, which is the ideology of Indonesia that protect the community and the minority, uh, but still uh, the problem that are faced by uh, most of the uh, people from the uh, minority, including uh, the LGBTQ+, is still uh, prevalent in Indonesia, including in Maumere, uh, which is located in the eastern part of Indonesia. And so far, uh, the bad news about the LGBTQ plus is uh, actually not true. Uh, and uh, this situation makes uh, Bunda Mayura wants to show that uh, she can contribute to uh, teaching children how to, to grow crops, how to contribute to the society and uh, also uh, uh, showing to the uh, youth generation that actually the uh, the uh, minority groups uh, such as the LGBTQ plus can also uh, make a, a very positive contribution to uh, the local community. And uh, actually, Fajar Sika was established uh, uh, to show that uh, this is a minority group that consists of uh, people from LGBTQ plus uh, that also con can contribute to the society. And uh, Fajar Sika also uh, always tries to uh, contribute in helping uh, uh, brothers and sisters who are victims of the COVID-19 pandemic uh, also. And uh, finally, in 2020, 
2020, uh, Bunda Mayura was elected as a, um, a member of the Village Representative Council, uh, which is uh, quite uh, become a headline in Indonesian uh, news uh, at the time because uh, it could be uh, it could be said that uh, Bunda Mayura is the first uh, trans one or uh, transgender that uh, become uh, the member of the Village Representative Council, and uh, Bunda Mayura hope that uh, Indonesian people can see. Uh, uh, person by their qualities not just uh, about the identity including the gender and the sexualities and uh, Bunda Mayora told us that um, uh, her team in Fajasika will continue to strive to uh, show that uh, Fajasika can continue to contribute to the society even though uh, it consists of uh, people from uh, a marginal group. Thank you so much, Fox. Could you could you share with us the experience of, of the members of your organizations on the ground, uh, going through what we call disasters and and, and the experience and, and and feelings? Yes, yes. Thank you for that. Um, um, we we actually after uh, a few months after Typhoon Haiyan, we actually visited several regions in the Philippines, like in Tacloban, in Samar. That's why we meet the. The, the group of Roel and Doug in Samar because we conducted an activity in their area. We also conducted an activity, uh, organizing activity in um, Iloilo, Capiz, and Rojas City, including our own region, Bohol, and the Tayan Island. So um, the, the objective was to listen to their stories and then how can we network as an organization, uh, how, how can these organizations, LGBT groups, who 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 are currently uh, who are marginalized before, during, and after disaster can uh, exchange their uh, experiences. We uh, we actually initiated these specific activities, and until now, we are actually in coordination with these organizations because uh, we put up uh, social media um, like Facebook group messaging like that, and how we can help each other. Now. Um, I think beyond beyond uh, providing uh, immediate relief like humanitarian response, uh, relief aid, no, and long term uh, as well as long term and sustainable projects, I think our visibility in the world of humanitarian system and disaster risk reduction is our is our contribution. So and that is something that I think the the, the policymakers are also. Um, uh, are also observing us um, uh, in, in that way they, they when there is a need for for them to contact us we are already visible because we conducted and implemented activities related to disasters response thanks Roxanne you, you gave us quite a nice segue to, to the next question actually you know you you've, you've mentioned policy kind of alluded to it um, and of course there are so many disaster risk reductions initiatives out there. Um, but we know that most of these are top-down, very much top-down and very often technocratic. And in particular, many of these initiatives still um, operate within the kind of woman-man gender binary. But do you feel that the initiatives, um, you know, you and Bunda talked about earlier, and we will, um, I will come to Bunda, of course, on this question. Do you feel that these initiatives um, translate into disaster risk reduction policy and action 
that you actually see that what you do is being implemented, is being used, has been appreciated. Uh, you know, and what is the role of gender minorities in informing this? Is is there a positive challenge um, for a more inclusive policy? I think um, it will take a longer period of time for uh, for policymakers to internalize the need for gender inclusive, specifically LGBT inclusive disaster reduction <laughs> policy and action. Why? Because um, I, I, I will cite an example. <laughs> um, when we conducted the conference, the LGBT conference, um, many, many years ago in the aftermath of Typhoon Haiyan, the local government units of Cebu province and the city government of Cebu hosted the activity. So they provided support, like transportation, food, and accommodation. And then we also asked them to provide uh, solidarity messages. But during the conference, the Provincial Disaster Risk Reduction and Management Officer uh, told the crowd that uh, they want BSDAC Pride to be included in the Provincial Disaster Risk Reduction and Management Council. So it was he represented the provincial governor. Unfortunately for us, we were uh, a recognized organization of Cebu province. And then we, we, we were very happy to hear that from a department head uh, dealing with disaster risk reduction and management. But during their meetings, we were not invited to attend. <laughs> so, so that's really a problem. That's really a problem. And it all from the provincial government down to down to the municipal level where we work with municipal officers they look at us the lgbt working in humanitarian response as something that is not that um i don't know how what word to use to describe them maybe maybe they will they just uh tolerate us like what they they, they did to us in some other aspects, but to seriously consider an LGBT group in humanitarian response, I think that is far-fetched. But we are very patient. We, we can wait. And the best thing that we should do is to keep on implementing projects in order for us to be visible in the entire humanitarian system. Because um, until now, I am, not, uh, uh, maybe I am not optimistic enough that in the near future they will still we will share a table with them i don't think so even if our province and our city is more tolerant maybe within 15 or 20 years from now that's a long struggle but maybe that's that's my time frame because even even after yolanda we conducted a lot of activities we've been included in multisectoral related activities uh, we've been recognized by the provincial government of Cebu, but they did not uh, uh, invited us to attend a single meeting of this disaster risk reduction and management councils. But on the ground, we were very, very visible. Hmm. Thanks, Roxanne. Thank, thanks so much for for this. Um, yeah, not not particularly optimistic, but realistic, you know. And perhaps um, all of us need to think about this more. Um, Bunda, can I come to you with the same question? Um, you know, do you see a positive change for more inclusive policy? You know, do you feel that you've been listened to and that you've been heard? Most importantly, 
Okay, uh, jadi mungkin Bunda apakah merasa sudah Bundo um, the LGBTQ uh, community right now has not yet and uh, like recognized in the system uh, this is uh, also because of uh, there is no such a law uh, that Uh, stipulates that uh, the uh, stipulates the uh, inclusion of the uh, minority uh, that is uh, including the LGBTQ plus community and uh, most of the uh, like uh, the inclusion policy is uh, still like uh, talking about uh, people with disability or elderly people but not uh, yet uh, covered uh, the aspect of the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, But uh, right now, in some areas in Indonesia, including in Maumere, Maumere is, uh, which is uh, the place uh, that uh, Bunda Mayor became uh, uh, the head of, uh, sorry, uh, the, the representative of the village, uh, said that uh, there is uh, uh, like a, a, a quite good progress uh, regarding the inclusion of uh, the people from uh, uh, the non-normative gender and sexuality groups. Um, and um, Bunda Mayora, it her self also has been involved in many of development and also disaster risk programs in uh, her villages and um, because of that uh, and also because of the positive uh, 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 coverage in the news uh, recently uh, in terms of the representative uh, uh, of um, uh, Bunda Mayora in uh, in uh, the, the village uh, so uh, Bunda, Bunda told us that uh, Uh, she's quite uh, positive uh, that it, uh, there will be uh, some significant change in the future uh, regarding the inclusion of uh, people from uh, LGBTQ plus uh, community. Uh, but maybe it's still partial um, in some areas in Indonesia, including in Maumere. It's it's not in in every part of of Indonesia. Uh, and uh, also, uh, uh, Bunda Mayura told us that uh, she's uh, she really appreciate uh, uh, research and also initiatives that, uh, including um, uh, this project that also uh, raising the voices of uh, people from uh, non-normative gender and sexualities and um, uh, some. parts of Indonesia uh, because uh, sometimes uh, it's also uh, important uh, to involve uh, the third, like a third party uh, including the NGOs or uh, including the uh, private sector uh, to also could uh, involve uh, people from normative gender sexualities. Thanks, Adrian, and thanks, everyone. It seems that the journey is going to be long, but it seems as well, from what you just told us, Bunda Mayora, that we are uh, on the right path somehow. And if, if, if I may pick up on your uh, final point about the role of multiple stakeholders in, in, in making this journey meaningful and hopefully the fastest as possible, Uh, I, I, I will turn to Neil and, and Adrian in, I mean, and your role in opening up the dialogue between these stakeholders. So our partners on the ground, but as well, there and international NGOs that have been part of this project as well. You as researchers, the private sector that Bunda Mayor mentioned, government agencies, international organizations. Uh, how do you see the future, the two of you as young, dynamic uh, researchers? How do you see the future for us and how do you 
feel or you think we should um, make that that journey as fast as possible and as meaningful as possible? Um, well, I have to share um, just a background. My prior research actually focused on the gendered experiences of women during disaster events. And although I've been involved in LGBT-focused initiatives uh, in the past, it was only through this research project that I was actually directly exposed to the narratives and various experiences of gender minorities in times of um, disaster. So I'm a cisgender woman, and I try my best to be a good ally to the LGBT community in the Philippines. So from, from what I've observed, I believe the marginalization of uh, gender minorities in disaster policy is actually a result or um, a branch of, uh, you know, the per pervasive culture of patriarchy and misogyny. So addressing the gender gaps in disaster policy might require addressing also the culture that glorifies uh, heteronormativity and sees that as uh, the norm. Um, we, I think we really need to unlearn several harmful assumptions and uh, the notion that the male-female heteronormative binary is the standard for is a natural um, binary. So I, another major misconception or assumption that I've observed is that um, there's this assumption that LGBT or gender minorities are voiceless. So as proven by Roxanne, as, as proven by Bunda Mayora and other, uh, or other LGBT partners, they aren't voiceless. They've actually been uh, speaking a lot about their experiences, but they're not being listened to or they have been given such a small space for them to be heard. So I think we need to be involved, even allies need to be involved in tireless persuasion to gradually but progressively uh, turn the tables uh, for the advantage of the LGBT community, uh, especially when crafting disaster risk reduction and management policy. So I believe uh, also we need to change our um, model of participatory uh, planning or project planning because as I've observed, if we want to be good allies and partners to gender minorities, then we should actually give them ample space for them to actively participate in all levels of planning. And uh, especially especially because uh, disaster policies and programs affect their lives directly, right? So um, like what uh, Roxanne said earlier, I know we have a long way to go, but I believe um, I'm optimistic that we can make big strides together as long as we foreground the voices, experiences, um, narratives of the grassroots communities directly affected by disasters and disaster policy. I think there's there's a need to sincerely listen to them and we need to always take their cue. We must actively uh, make opportunities for their voices to be heard and we, uh, we need to actively seek them out when we plan or do consultations, when we do research regarding disaster or disaster policy. So um, in all these uh, cases, we should pass the mic on to them. I think that's uh, very important so that our research becomes engaged in their struggles and in their lived experiences. Thanks, Lynn. Uh, over to you, Adrian. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, this uh, problematic issues in Indonesia is also uh, related to the culture and also the policy frameworks and also the intergenerational uh, perspective. I mean, like um, as, uh, myself, I'm a, I'm a millennial and I know uh, 
uh, quite a lot of my friends that also are quite open uh, to uh, people from non-normative gender and sexualities in Indonesia. But uh, when I when I'm trying to talk to a more senior researcher or more senior uh, public uh, uh, servants, uh, uh, their perspective is a bit different uh, regarding the inclusion because uh, maybe it's part of the cultural influence or maybe also religious influence uh, that is quite uh, uh, still like a major uh, influence in uh, in uh, shaping our communities in Indonesia. Uh, but again, uh, I'm addressing to the policy uh, because uh, in, in terms of uh, social inclusion in Indonesia itself, um, the non-normative genders and uh, sexualities uh, is not uh, already uh, like uh, explained uh, well in the inclusion policy of Indonesia, and also uh, um, in in the uh, also in the uh, local uh, like the local areas as well. Uh, due to the uh, uh, decentralization, uh, there is no such a clear like uh, explanation about that. Uh, but uh, in the grassroots level, as Bunda Mayor told us uh, before. Uh, there are already an, some initiatives that initiated by people uh, from an anonymatic gender and sexualities themselves uh, to show uh, that actually they can contribute positively to uh, the local uh, government and also to the community. So uh, in the case of um, um, uh, Maumere, it kind of like uh, make a, quite a significant change on how people in Maumere views uh, people from uh, normative gender and sexualities uh, uh, groups, uh, but uh, it's not again. It's not the same in uh, other areas in Indonesia uh, because uh, maybe uh, uh, in Maumere there are already a uh, uh, strong uh, uh, like a grassroots movement uh, from uh, Fajasika uh, from Bunda Mayora's uh, initiative, and I also know that in, in Jakarta also there is a quite strong grassroots community as well in there but maybe in some areas that still like uh influenced by cultural or religious maybe if you know Aceh uh, province uh, which uh, they still uh, put sharia law under their fr uh, law of uh, framework of law so it can kind of still uh, uh quite uh, a bit of challenge for them uh, to to contribute to the society uh i think uh, so Again, uh, it's about the policy and also about the cultural uh, and from uh, the grassroots and also uh, about the, the, the grassroots community as well, uh, how they can contribute uh, to the society, I think. Thanks, Adrian. And if I can add, uh, Xenia, the very fact that our project got funded, the fact that we're talking about here, here now, uh, the fact that we've been organizing some events and other organizations have been organizing international conferences in that space, the fact that we have NGOs like Bistock Pied active on the ground, the fact that I've heard the book uh, maybe um, in the pipeline, I mean, shows, shows that we are making progress towards inclusion. I remember when we started this advocacy with a few uh, colleagues, Christine Sands, Maureen Fordham, and a few others, somewhat, some 12, 13 years ago. Um, this was not even a niche that was, that was virtually uh, 
nothing in, in the disaster studies space and in the DR space. And I remember in the years leading to, to Sendai, starting to share on the gender and disaster network mailing list the importance of listening to more diverse voices. Uh, I, I remember receiving a very harsh email back stating that no, GDN, the Gender and Disaster Network, and the advocacy towards Sendai should be about women because gender is about women. And, and, and none of us would dismiss that it's crucial and, and super important to focus on, on, on women's concerns. But we need to be to be uh, open to more diverse identities. And I think we are we are on the right track. I mean, I speak from the perspective of a cis man as well, like like Nin uh, said in her case. But I mean, we, our role as allies is crucial in 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 opening up that space. I think and and, and becoming the glue, maybe or the link between between different stakeholders. We have access to because of our position of privilege so it's 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 our responsibility as well for sure yeah thank you um yeah thank you all so so much for for talking to us today this has been fascinating um really interesting i'm sure our audience will really enjoy that Well, thank you all for being with us today. And before you go, a few quick reminders about how you can stay connected with the podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at DisastersDecon. The podcast is available on all the major platforms. Please download, share, and most importantly, subscribe. And if you haven't already done this, we really appreciate your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. This will help us to continue making content for you. You've been listening to Disasters Deconstructed. And don't forget, disasters are not natural. See you next time. You have been listening to Senya, IJC, and us. Oh, Roxanne. Una mayora. And we forget about Jason, right? I'm stealing his thunder from now on. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, this has been great. <laughs>